At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Transform your home in one weekend with paint from Menards. Get a paint that combines durability and gorgeous color. Dutch Boys DuraClean Interior Paint and Primer in One offers stay-clean technology, making your home stay beautiful and clean longer. And with Dutch Boys Easy Opening Smooth Pouring Container, transforming your home has never been easier. Save big money on Dutch Boy paints and head into Menards to get your paint project started today. Save big money at Menards. Howdy, everyone. If you enjoy the show, join our free Discord. Link in the description and chat with the cast. Please leave a review and consider joining our Patreon for behind-the-scenes content and more. Tears start at a dollar, and even that helps us out. To stay up to date with episode releases and more, follow us on Twitter at Riffway Podcast. Good evening, Rifflers. This is Riffs and Realms, the 5e DD podcast where we discuss all you need to know about world building from gods and demons to mountains and molehills. I'm Nathan, the dungeon master and creator of Riffwake. I'm Josh, your co-host and fellow Dungeon Master, World Builder, and Fantasy Enjoyer. And today on the Genre Definer series, we will be talking about war. Um, Ooh, yeah, know- what is it good for? So, no, just real quick, uh, Genre Definers are, is a short series on um, what is a genre. Uh, you can check out the episode uh, to find out more about it. Anyways, um, war. <laughs> Who all, what is it good for? Is that, what, is that, do I do that now? I mean, I, I love it a lot. I think um, God, we, should, we, should, we should have more of it. Um, <laughs> a war or the song? War. No, like war, like actual war. I think guns Ooh. are pretty cool. I think we would have more guns if more people die. I mean, if more people, it, that's how it works. You know, the more people die, the more guns there are. The concept of war is really cool, and then you get into the nitty gritty of war, and you're like, "Wow, this fucking sucks." Dude. Yeah, you know, this like I don't, I, I, no, you know, here's the thing: what what, what we should do, right? It's like if only mm-hmm. we had easy, cheap resurrection. I think everyone would be like, "What? Oh, that's just 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 one of the fun activities we do from time to time." Really, that's a terrible yeah. idea. <laughs> It's a terrible I love idea. it. Sounds terrific. Absolutely. You know, if we terrific. had easy access to resurrection, murder wouldn't even be illegal. You, you yeah, could, you know, I could. You kill could solve anyone. normal disputes by just breaking their neck and arresting them in like forty-five minutes. Exactly. Whenever you've done what you wanted to do anyway, it's just like, hey, fuck that guy. You know, it's yeah. like, it's like, I don't okay, you have to be nice. I'll like, fucking crash my car into someone who cuts me off if it means yeah, we're exactly. both getting rest in half an hour. No, and then think about it. Come on. At, at most, it'll be like, oh, yeah, uh, you get a fine <laughs> because it caused them pain, I guess. I mean, a little pain never hurt nobody. Um, definitionally, I think you're wrong. I, you know, I just died three <laughs> times today. A I little pain never hurt nobody. I think <laughs> definitionally it has. <laughs> You know, I, I I beg to differ, but you know, I'm putting that <laughs> in the context. I'm putting that in the no context, Nathan. 
anyways. So, the genre of the war setting, it typically, it, it's an intersection of a whole bunch of different types of genres. Uh, most of the time, you're going to be seeing war intersect with, like, either fantasy or sci-fi, depending upon the type of flavor of violence they're going for. Uh, and a lot of times it also, it'll be historical fiction, I, I guess would be one way to put it. Um, as they kind of like romanticize World War II or the War on Terror and stuff like that. Um, sometimes it'll also intersect The War on like, Drugs, my favorite war. You know, my favorite war. Many guns involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times war movies will intersect with like the disaster movies in the term of like the military fighting monsters or it'll intersect with the investigation and mystery whenever you have something happening with the military trying to do an investigation or like trying to find someone who's gone missing or trying to find the reason for the disaster or for the horror. Uh, so war as a whole is kind of more more of a setting and a backdrop I'd say than it is its own specific genre uh, and it also does really well if uh, like looming war is a great narrative device to kind of give your setting history right mm-hmm. uh, because any, as long as there has been people there have been people disagreeing with each other and <laughs> you know the, the best way to solve disagreements is killing the other guy exactly if I can solve this by breaking a rock over someone's skull, that's way easier than talking it out. I don't, um, you know, my mouth <laughs> is for yelling mm-hmm. and biting, you know? Yeah, it's not, it's not made for words. It's made for guttural yeah, me, screams me, me, in the me, face me, of me my monkey, enemies. Me monkey, okay? Me monkey, <laughs> I see, I see. You, you, you know, liking me, I, I punch. Yes. Uh, so we've actually kind of divvied up the war genre into kind of like almost feels right. Like the, the first subgroup that we have is whether you're going to be following the soldier or following the tactician, right? It's a different story whenever you're following boots on the ground versus whenever you're following the general giving the orders. Right. Like, because you have an det- entirely different feel. It's like, Oh fuck, they're shooting at us. And then the other one's like, Oh shit, we're losing units down uh, south as they, they tr- try to penetrate the enemy's defenses. We got to uh, maneuver our forces this way. Like the saga of Tanya the Evil, if anyone's ever seen yes, that I love anime. That shit. It's so good. It's, it's so good at tricking you. The first episode, you're like, oh, generic fucking bullshit. And then the second episode, you're like, wait, what the? Do I there's love like this actual show? tactics. There's actual <laughs> tactics. You know, you're like, oh, yeah. uh, you're talking about the the mobile defense, and then that's Ooh. like an actual military strategy they used. Yeah, they used in yeah. um, World War uh, Two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of crazy. But like, it, it's a very different show. Whenever uh, what's her name? Tanya? The main character, Tanya. Jesus Tanya, the, Tanya the evil. What's the main character's I, name? I kept mm. wanting to say Tasha, and I was like, that's wrong. That's a D&D lady. The, yeah, mm. the, the main character of the saga of Tanya the evil, Tasha. Uh, Tasha, um, <laughs> yes. Okay. 
it's it's a very different show when we're looking at her as a tactician versus when we're seeing her as kick a soldier on the ground. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot more kick the shit out of, and the other one is more kind of like uh, it, it's almost like it all takes place. Her tactical dis takes place whenever she's in a place of relative peace. Um, yeah, they're right. always at war, right? But it's whenever she goes back to the capital. It's whenever she goes yeah. back to home base. That's whenever the tactics come out. Like, this is gonna become a world war. It's like everyone's like, "What's a world war?" <laughs> <laughs> was like, we haven't had World War One yet, and they're like, "One? Wait, what the fuck?" <laughs> no, 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 no. Then, then it's like, okay, we're good. Here's how you do a mobile. Holy shit! This is a mobile defense. <laughs> that is so cool. What? <laughs> Well, this mobile defense is kind of popping off. Jesus. Yeah, it's insane. It's like, we're kicking ass here. You're telling me to send enemies into their back lines? Commanders, what are those? Let's go. But uh, yeah, it's kind of like uh, in the romance of the Three Kingdoms, most of what we see is the actions of generals and important folks going on mano a manos. And whenever you have soldiers, most of the time you're following one group of very elite people doing a very specific mission. Uh, so that's kind of the way we divvied up the genre in that respect. Um, and those have two very different narrative storytelling elements. Most of the we time, need- the tactician is going to go up against a fellow tactician or against an impossible situation, and the soldier will be going up against other soldiers and trying to use wit strength and survival instincts yeah against we, we need more fights. we need more uh, stories about fuck i need to turn up my nose um sorry mm-hmm. okay um we need more stories along the lines of because we have too many oh look tactician guy oh real smart oh uh, mm-hmm. I, the, the world is in the palm of my hand, and then there's like, I'm a, I'm you, a need, you yeah, want really I'm dumb so... tacticians? You want a dumb tactician? No, 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 no. <laughs> they, they, I mean, that would be very cool. But uh, we, we also part have... of my elaborate plan as his entire <laughs> army gets wiped out, and he's like, ah, shit, no, no, <laughs> ah, shit, and then no, 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 the, 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 like, like, can you imagine just like have it, and then he's like, his name is uh, Dayloff Hitler, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dayloff Hilter. Hilter, ah, yes. My name is Dayloff Hilter. (laughs) And, um, no, but what I was gonna say is, like, I think more often than not, you get, like, elite uh, forces uh, on the ground or, like, just Mm -hmm. generic soldiers. Mm -hmm. But what I want, right, is just, like, a bunch of, like, fucking privates. Oh, a bunch of rookie recruits. Yeah, then they're rising like, up. Yeah, th- that's that's a fun one. But uh, even do I have some good like, news for you? Yeah, uh, Starship Troopers is a movie that exists. All right. <laughs> <laughs> if I you want to see some main characters get absolutely iced by a I, I, much I, I more want, powerful opponent, I want to see a bunch of fucking bumbling idiots <laughs> like somehow like. Just fight against a much superior force, and by sheer <laughs> stupidity alone, they win. Monsters versus aliens, my favorite movie. Ah <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yep, yeah, but that is kind of how we we've divvied up this first one. 
Um, and I'd say generally you can kind of divvy up a story between those two elements, soldiers and tacticians. Um, it kind of depends on who you want to be your focus, or if you want multiple people to be your focus. Um, if you're making a D&D campaign, a lot of the times um, people will feel more connected when they feel like they're a decision maker, um, as opposed to go here, do this, go here, do this, go here, do this. Um, and then not really seeing everything as it takes place, um, but giving them an opportunity to see a basically aerial view of the of the conflict and be like, okay, so we need to divert resources here to make sure that we don't die. And that way, whenever things go tits up, you could always make them blame themselves <laughs> for not doing something right. Hey guys, I think we fucked up. <laughs> hey guys, I think we did something bad. Um, do we want to go to the next set of kind of subgenre, like sub classes? Subclass. Sure. All right. So leader versus follower. Yes. So basically, are you someone who who's leading the forces? Are you talking about you're using it from the perspective of leading the forces, or are you a follower of someone else's grand plan? And I I do like the perspective because as a leader of the forces, it's very interesting because um you do have to note that this these two may not be entirely separate because as a leader, you still have people above you that you have to deal with. Mm-hmm. And as a follower, you might have, for example, let's say a, like a field commander of sorts. Mm-hmm. So you still might have people below you. But um, what can make this highly entertaining is essentially human interactions, uh, where as a leader, you can be like, okay, here's a plan. And then like your voice fuck up or like as a leader, you're like, I, okay, I know that I can do this thing, but all the fucking red tape or all the people above are like, no, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Or like uh, George Washington and Hamilton, the musical, I cannot be everywhere at once, people. <laughs> like, like, you know exactly what needs to be done, but you don't have the hours in the day to get it done, so you have to delegate. Uh, they fuck and, up. <laughs> and your delegators, and like having good generals and having good uh, sub commanders and having good support crew is integral to basically having things run. I think uh, as a follower, that's also fun because um, as someone who has been in the military, uh, <laughs> yeah, all all too often uh, you can be like thinking, okay, um, real quick. So here's a tactical objective, right? Right. Um, so. With my rudimentary tactical knowledge, which is about jack shit, right? Of I can tell that this is possibly the biggest waste of funds, and also <laughs> entirely ineffective. And then everyone's like, "I, I guess, um, yeah, we, we got to do it anyways." <laughs> <laughs> Too bad, so sad. And a lot of times, you can actually create this dynamic within your own story. Um, having one specific character be the leader of a group of followers and being expected to kind of rein in the worst impulses of a D&D crew <laughs> like, 
Um, I find having someone as the go-to team lead who takes the lead on these kinds of things um, really does help like foster the dynamic. And it's not every single time that the leader is going to be like the party face or the leader is going to be the tactician. Yeah. It's like sometimes the leader is just the person who is best at keeping the ducklings in a row. Um, the kind of glue that keeps the crew together. Right. I mean, like, there's very different kinds of leaders, as you have said. I mean, like, um, I, I think, like, the, the there are times where it's just like, okay, somebody might be typically take the lead uh, on, like, uh, intrigue situations. Like, okay, so here's the plan, guys. We're going oh. to find this guy and beat him up in the corner. But then we're gonna <laughs> tell the like other a guy. Leader. <laughs> <laughs> then we're gonna oh. misinform the other the, the other guy and make him think that this guy beat up that guy, and you know that kind of dumb shit. But then you can have a different kind of leader. Where it's like when suddenly you're thrown into combat, and then it's like, okay, here's a plan. Battle master, we're gonna you're run. in charge. We're gonna <laughs> run. <laughs> we'll get the fuck out of here. So, but I, wa yeah. I want to hit him. It's like, no, no. That is a dragon. We are level three. We are level three. The guards all died. We should run. We're going home. We're going home. I don't like this. I want to go home. Uh, the I have refusal a to the call. <laughs> a classic part of every hero's journey. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of interesting dynamics that you can go with the leader-follower dynamic of a war. Uh, the same very similar situation to the soldier versus tactician, where uh, you have different levels of scoping you can do, because everyone has a boss, right? Um, and so you can choose whether you're going to be focusing on the literal bottom of the totem pole, or if you're king. going to be voting at the literal top of the, the top of the totem pole would be the king. <laughs> I am the king. Ah, yes, the king. I the have all the, the notorious power. bottom of the totem pole. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, okay, so here's the plan, guys. It's all good. I have all the power. Next, like, not even two days fast. Uh, so I was exiled. Um, <laughs> so I've been cooed. What happened was um, about 15 million people starved to death. I don't even know how I did that in two days, but... That's, yeah. that's, that's notorious mismanagement, to say the least. I just told them that we'd be keeping the grain. And then they did it. And then... They set all the storehouses on fire and we ran out of grain. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's crazy, <laughs> man. It's insane. I wonder crazy why insane. all this happened. Crazy insanity. All right. Uh, the next little section that we have kind of splits the war story that you might want to tell between cold and hot. Um, if you're Ooh. having a cold war, a lot of the times that will be more closely interrelated with investigation and mystery. Um, oh, yes. We have to find are, the enemy weapons. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Enemy weapons. So whenever the, <laughs> so look, the threat of war is what's looming. Fantasy nukes. Terrifying. Um, they're, they're holy nukes. Cold wars are generally whenever you have like the mastermind type of uh, archetype uh, do really, really well in these cold war situations. You kind of want your characters to not be a bunch of homeless idiots. 
if you're going to be doing a Cold War setting or a Cold War mini adventure. Um, mostly because if they fuck up, they'll start a war. <laughs> and so, um, stupid PCs are notorious for fucking up. So, so guys, today we will be heading over as a foreign dignitary to uh, try and, you know, release tension. Oh my god! They're firing at us. Kiss oh. the elf king on the mouth. Oh my god! Oh, they We're declared war. war on us. What do we do? What do we do? <laughs> We've made a terrible mistake. Ah, our our cities are on fire. <laughs> and a hot war, of course, the opposite of a cold war. Uh, boiling is, war, even in fact, is pretty hot is pretty much all the types of war that we've already been talking about. It's the ones where you're focusing on the soldiers, you're focusing on the generals. Uh, War has already happened or is in the process of happening, and so adventure and people are called to do extraordinary things in extraordinary circumstances. Uh, Nathan is coughing very loud right now into his microphone, but he was muted, so I'm just calling him out for nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Don't really distract me. I was like, oh. Did, did did I not mute? Is that something wrong with me? Okay. <laughs> um, so cold versus hot is a choice that you'll want to make depending upon the kind of story that you want to tell. Uh, if you want to tell a Cold War story, you're going to want things to be a little cool. Not necessarily like threat level midnight uh, where the nukes are going to explode any second. But give your opportun- give your players and your characters an opportunity, the opportunity fuck up. to turn the heat up, exactly. To, to, to dial ever closer to midnight. Hey guys, um, the, the, the milk's gone bad. The, the, the fridge isn't working anymore. <laughs> <laughs> the thermostat right. is broken. It only goes up from here, boys. It's like, guys, it's like 70 degrees. Help. <laughs> Celsius. <laughs> yes. Well, Fahrenheit is really nice. <laughs> In any case, back to war. Um, back to back to cold and hot. It's hot. <laughs> I mean, it's hot. All right. Um. Yeah. The these kinds of war settings do lend themselves very well towards those kinds of storytelling. Um. With your cold stories, you have more debonair. You have your 007s. You have your masterminds. You have your suave folks who are there to get information, get understanding. My name is Suave, and I'm a folk. My name is Suave Folkington. Suave Folkington. (sighs) That's me with my cigarette. Um, (laughs) It's actually a a, a miniature bomb. (laughs) The cigarette is also a gun. <laughs> it's also a gun. My shirt. Uh, it's like a shirt, but it's also I can a use gun. it. <laughs> <laughs> it's also a gun. Every, every spy tool is also a gun. The whole, you thought you knew? No. My toothbrush? It's, like, it's also a gun. It's also a gun. And a two-way radio. <laughs> and, um... You know, my watch actually is just—it's just a watch. It's, it's actually just a watch. Just, but under my watch, <laughs> I keep a gun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so fun! Oh, next up on the list, we have the rescue genre. This is a classic. Rescue. 
What's a rescue? Yeah. We don't rescue people here. Mm. Just leave them for dead, you know. <laughs> fuck off. Saving Private like- Ryan. I think Black Hawk Down. Uh, every war movie that's ever had someone falling behind and they go, we're not going to leave him, would like to disagree with you. No, no, no. It's like, okay, guys, you don't understand. That's one guy. You're like seven guys. If you go there and you, and like two of, like, like two of you die. If one more of you die. <laughs> you are net negative two. Hey, mate. He's behind em- enemy lines. What are we gonna do? Just run up there. If you if you save one person and one person dies, you are net zero, and you've wasted a lot of ammunition and time. I mean, exactly. if you think about it, <laughs> it's like in any realistic situation, it's just like to come on and be like, okay, it's real sad that Johnny died, but um, it's real sad that Nathan is a POW now. But yeah, but. I mean, he's we can kind exchange of alive, him later. <laughs> I mean, he's only doing what? mandatory hard service. Like it's fine. Yeah. He'll he'll be released eventually. We don't even have and to. And then <laughs> it's like 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 two years later, it's like yeah, about that. Uh, he died. Um, <laughs> hey, at least we're all alive. And then he's like sitting there at the table, and then he's the only one there. <gasps> Tragic. Tragic. Tragedy. <laughs> Tragedy of war. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker. Engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Um, Rescue isn't necessarily always a person. Um, Sometimes it'll be like important documents. Sometimes it'll be... Uh, I almost said scientist, like a scientist is not a person. <laughs> uh, it's not uh, always yes. a fellow soldier, of course. Uh, rescuing a scientist, rescuing a document, rescuing a Nuclear specific launch Nuclear what? launch codes. Um, but uh, basically anything that requires you to get something back from behind enemy lines is quote-unquote They stole our donuts. We must get them back. Get me my fucking powdered donies, bro. Um, they, they, they captured the factory. They are now unstoppable. <laughs> with donuts and morale on their side. 
That's it. I'm defecting. I'm <laughs> defecting. They have the donuts. I'm sorry. I've only ever been loyal to one thing, and that's my powdered donuts. <laughs> uh, and I mean, like that's a that's a classic war war trope, right? Yeah, donuts. Being a traitor for donuts, like I think that's in almost every bit of cinema yeah, I've I, seen. I, I think, like. Personally, ninety percent of all the war movies I've seen is war just anime. Donuts. It's it's the 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 betrayal is fundamental. Like, you you remember that bit in Tanya the Evil where she's like, "I'm defecting <laughs> because they took our donuts," right? Yeah. yeah, I remember that one specifically. Yeah, the the main character Tasha betraying the entire unit for donuts. Yeah, yeah. oh yeah, like fuck you guys. I'm I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm getting the donuts. Mm-hmm. I, I know said, it well. They said it's glazed and stuff. There's like fucking, there's fucking jelly donuts. It has, it's full of jam. It's great. Let's go. Let's fucking go. <laughs> Let's fucking go. <laughs> ah, what would you do for a Klondike bar? Betray my country. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I'd commit high treason for a Klondike bar. <laughs> I, I, I commit genocide, you know, just, just for a single one. Just one. I just the one. Um, yeah, and the rescue genre is really, really good for that kind of uh, isolated storytelling. If you don't want to necessarily focus on a specific leader follower group or a specific like large scale conflict, um, there's a lot of these smaller adventures that are all about going in and saving someone or something and coming back home. Um, it gives you a very micro view of the conflict. Um, and sometimes that's good. Like sometimes you don't need, sometimes it's, it's nice to have a specific good guy, good guy goal in mind in quotation. Right. Where you can of, kind of justify what's happening by saying, I'm saving a friend. It's not just, I'm going to kill like a couple hundred people so I can capture a, Strategic point. <laughs> yeah. The strategic point. Um mm-hmm. we gotta remember that those all those people that we just killed had had family <laughs> at home. People <laughs> just like us. Oh. That's they sad. will be missed. Uh <sighs> we and did get the donuts times, though. <laughs> yeah, that's true. A lot of the times that human element of a war show or movie gets sanded off. Um, by making the villains patently irredeemable. Um, that's yeah, why you can do it to Nazis, and you can do it to robots, and you can do it to clones, and you can do it to people who have helmets on. Right, um, because, but that's why yeah, protagonists so often don't have their helmets on, is specifically so we can connect to them, and if they die, we care. Whereas they've killed 400 of these other dudes, and we were like, let's fucking go! And let's we don't care because they have helmets on. This is why you don't wear your helmet when you go to war. <laughs> yeah, when you don't go to war, very specifically, you have to not have your helmet on so you can feel like that the main character. That means you're the good guys, you get it? <laughs> that means you're the main character. You can't die if you go no, to war no, with the helmet no, off. No, no, you're just, just making this speech to your, your boys. It's like, okay, guys, here's the plan. You, you know our helmets? Take them off, okay? Put them to the side. Now we got and you just hear a box. <laughs> <laughs> He's just fucking dead. You just see a small hole where Jenkins was mere moments before. It is like, 
Guys, have you ever thought about it? These helmets don't actually stop bullets. <laughs> the best thing they do really is just like deflect mildly. And I feel like less human when I have my helmet on. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, like, uh, do you think maybe we're the baddies? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the funny thing is, like, uh, like modern helmets can at best stop a nine millimeter, and that's like a big if. Yeah. Yeah, it's really funny. I mean, with the amount of penetrating powers most modern ammunition has, you'd have to be wearing a concrete brick on top of your head to stop anything. Oh, yes, my neck is. Two meters <laughs> wide. It is killing me. <laughs> you know those emergency packs we have? Well, now that everything's up the ante, it's gone from like a 75 kilogram pack that, that to moment a 250 like, kilogram. That moment where you, you, you're like, okay, let's let's time travel 20 years into the future. And then you go there, it's all mechs. And then it's like, what, why, is, why is everyone a mech? It's like, no, these aren't mech suits. These are just like combat uniforms. <laughs> these are, this is functionally power armor because uh, this is just my bullet, suit. They need nine <laughs> inches of Sarasteel. <laughs> the natural evolution of infantry. A $4 bullet destroys a $9 million machine. <laughs> and that $9 million is probably lowballing. <laughs> it's actually like $200 million. It's like, uh, like $4.3 billion. Um, no. <laughs> you know how it is so anyway uh, last but certainly not least we have well actually funnily enough last is in the title that we call the one last push genre yes. um, and this is whether you're on the giving side of the push or the receiving side of the push mm-hmm. this is the last battle moment this is the we are surrounded on all sides and if we do not Da-da-da-da. achieve victory here it is all gone Da-da-da-da-da. or it, it is the uh, yeah. If we do not, you know, penetrate their lines and get this ragamuffin mulligan thingy to where it's supposed to be, it is over. It's um, game over, it's, guys. It's game ogre. Um, it's game it over. is the the uh, return of the king moment uh, from the third Lord of the Rings movie, where it's like, hey, if we don't get this done. If we fail, it's over. It's game over. Um, and there's uh, a lot of good... A lot of the times war movies or war stories will bring themselves to the one last push moment. Uh, the one last push mini-adventure, as it were. Uh, where everything has like come to a head. Things have reached the boiling point. There's no going back from this. You either win or you lose, and either way, the world is irrevocably changed. Um, and the one last push can really be applied to any of these subgenre moments, right? Um, whether you're the tactician or the soldier or the leader or the follower, or uh, someone who's just attempting to rescue the friend, right? Uh, it's the it's the climax of the adventure almost, and that's why we kind of felt like it should have its own specific place here. I think like the last push, um, is definitely like the climax, but I think you can do a lot with it. It's like um, oh yeah, it's a great way to either start or end a campaign with. Mm-hmm. Because uh, the thing it, is, like yeah. with those last breaths of a dying world, they don't 
necessarily have to be instant, right? Uh, sometimes it's a slow and methodical grinding down. Uh, like, for example, Gears of War. Gears of War has been <laughs> on its last legs of humanity um, since Gears of War 1, and I think they're on Gears of War 6. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's probably not right, but... No, I think they're on Gears actually. 5. How many Gears of War are there? How many Gears five. of War are there? I think there are five. Yeah, it should be five. Six installments. Six. Six. I was right. What the fuck? <laughs> Nailed you know, those it. Gears, those gears keep on grinding. Eh? <laughs> Extra geary. <laughs> Just um, like, uh, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, the same is true of, like, Dark Souls, right? Dark Souls, Dark Souls is a dying yeah, world. Dark, Dark Souls is a dying world. It's a world on its last breath. And the player's job is to either rekindle the flame or thrust it into shadows. Can can you imagine but, you're just like sitting there it's like, hey guys, um so I know we've been on our last legs, right? But it's been like seventy years. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we're really on our last legs if we've lasted this long. I mean like Thousands of people, like tens of thousands of people, are dying every day. But I mean, we're doing pretty okay for ourselves. Like, I don't understand what's going on here. We've been on the brink of destruction for longer than most of us have been alive. <laughs> I mean, like, is it really being on the brink of destruction if you don't get destroyed? You know, isn't it just like the status quo now? <laughs> mm -hmm. I love the way that Dark Souls works with time. Because mm -hmm. everything is simultaneously like like you you walk in on everywhere after the party has ended, right? But you mm. don't really know if the party ended two days ago or twenty thousand years ago. <laughs> You're well, like, hey. uh, mm, everything's like vaguely decrepit, but like the gods are still here. How long have you been down here? I ain't Forever I and also. Two weeks. Okay, cool. It's like, yes, that makes perfect sense. I understand. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's a, a one last push is good regardless of if you want to have soaring hope or cataclysmic despair in your story. Right? Um, it kind of depends on where you want to put your characters in. Um, and that's a, that's a lot of fun. Do you have anything else you want to say about the one last push genre? I think the one last push... Um, I think the one last push can be quite uh, exciting, definitely. I think uh, something oh, yeah. is to be said about like uh, it being the final bit. Like We've not talked about that yet, right? Uh, so imagine your entire campaign, you're fighting this war uh, against... I mean, like... World War II is a prime example. D-Day is like such a big, like cool thing where it's like, mm -hmm. oh, look, we were, we're kicking all the ass. We tricked them into thinking we are pushing here, but you're coming here. Here's the plan. Mm. We're gonna fly people over there, and then they're gonna come in from the sea. They're gonna they're gonna go here and then there, and then they're, they're everywhere. We're everywhere. And then, there's a million things happening. Oh yeah, yeah. it's like you're walking around. And you're like, holy shit, the soldiers. Oh wait, it's one of us. What? You know, let's it's go. like, let's go. It's like, um, mm -hmm. it's the kind of shit where you can be 
fighting a war for the entire campaign and then you just hit that final push and then it's like this extreme spectacle where it's like oh yes all the forces that we convinced to join us in this attack holy shit the the, the fucking um giant airplane uh mech guys have come they're flying above oh they're nuking they're, they're just blasting the shit out of the enemy oh those, those are probably some uh civilian casualties but let's ignore that for now and like civilian casualties <laughs> never heard of them it's like uh wrong place wrong time um <laughs> <laughs> too bad so sad it's like oh there, there's um all the tanks that we made sure were repaired properly oh it's like you can have an <laughs> intense culmination of all the uh, things you've been working towards in your game. I mean, like many uh, video games do the same thing because it's one of the easiest ways to show to that. ramp up the tension. Yeah, ramp up the tension, show that your actions have meaningful consequences. And then uh, we essentially just see all these forces and you're like, holy shit, that's so cool. And then you Let's just go. Um, especially in a D&D game, this plan could be something that you came up with. And then you're like, holy shit, it's moving about. And then it's like, oh, oh shit, something's gone impact wrong. impact on the world. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Something's gone wrong. Okay, we need to make these changes. You know, both from a follow, like, uh, tactician, uh, what the fuck is wrong with me? Uh, tactician's standpoint. Tactician's standpoint or a boots on ground situation, you can really see the sort of uh, impact of this scenario and like it really gives light to a climactic ending where you're like oh shit shit's going down it's amazing and then it's like this bombastic ending to a campaign and i would say the last push is probably possibly one of the most spectacular ways that you can end a campaign mm-hmm um, if anyone's ever played uh, like Mass Effect and Dragon Age and like these big role playing games, the one last push is always so huge. Fable, um, the the last hurrah is always such a critical part of the campaign. Yeah, um, it's like it a, is. It's- it is the no return. It's the moment when you walk up to the NPC and they say, "Are you ready?" It's like we no, no, and then cannot you, save after you do this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. It's like after you do this, you cannot save. And it's like, whoh, whoh, whoa, 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 oh shit, oh shit, let's is go. Let's go. It's like, let's um, fucking go. It's like make sure you you have done all the everything missions you, that you need to everything do. Need to do before we go. You are, you cannot save past this point. It's like whoa, whoa, whoa. That's when uh, it is done. This boy is dead. And it's like such a uh, what do you call it? Like it really, really like down down to it. It's it's just such a spectacle. Yeah, mm-hmm. like a celebration of the campaign, pretty much. So yeah, that, that that's my take on uh, the one last push. Mm-hmm. And I I definitely think like war, right? Um, it it. Very often, the key part of many settings and understanding what tools and uh, what elements in war you can use in your setting is highly useful when you're trying to write the setting or um, run a D&D campaign. Mm-hmm. And uh, we didn't actually get to this port, a port, a part. Uh, you can port. have a setting that is deeply entrenched and involved with war. And the players 
only be tangentially involved with that war at all. Uh, yeah. It can be happening basically something that's off screen that's keeping a lot of the resources of the government at hand. It's like, and hey, that's guys, the reason um, why they need adventurers is because there simply is hey, not enough hey, town guard and military to get things uh, taken Magic care of. oil is increasing in price because uh, <laughs> Magic Ukraine has been attacked by Magic Russia. <laughs> so sad. Uh, uh, actually, magic soldiers are being involved on the border crisis. And no, so... actually, it's, it's just it's just the economancers. Actually, <laughs> the econ- fucking... did you actually see all the economancers are fucking shit up again? Did you watch the <laughs> video I told you about about the economancer? Uh, I vaguely remember watching it. Is <laughs> <laughs> that how the economy works? <laughs> must must be the economists. I'm, I'm telling you, man, like seriously. What else would it be? Like, huh? Oh, it wasn't the war. It was the economancer, <laughs> the evil economancer, the arch evil economancer. It, it, uh, it is the great my, and mighty Kevin of accounting. <laughs> that bastard. Um, I think that's good. I think it's a good place to leave off. Um, on that note, um, thanks for listening note, to Kevin this episode, shit, bro. <laughs> Fuck you, Kevin. <laughs> thanks for listening to this episode of Riffs and Realms. Please leave us a review and give us five stars on iTunes. Also, support some patrons at patreon.com slash podcast. Here's the last list of Dolan, and even that much really helps us out. Supporters get benefits such as behind the scenes content, early access to episodes, and even input on Riffs and Rules topics. Find us on social media on Twitter at Riffwake Podcast. Join our Discord every month. We have a hangout session on the last Saturday of the month where you can speak with the cast. The link is in the description below. And you can send us an email, riffwakepodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.